Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where every questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm busy looking up things on the internet. <laughs> Very fancy. It's a series of tubes. It comes right to his home. Yeah. Not everybody has that. Glenn yeah. does. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I'm focused and attentive and that's because the internet is not like a truck. Okay. It's a lot, not. A lot of people think that. Those people are idiots. It's not like that. Wow. Yeah. What's it like? It's like a system of tubes. Oh. You really changed my whole perspective on things, Jed. You're welcome. <laughs> so joining us all the way from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, via the magic of said system of tubes, is Lee Younger, one of the one of the pastors at Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Guys, I'm under a lot of stress right now. Are you? I'm under a lot of stress, and it's so much stress that I may just have to declare emergency. What? what? The man is bearing down. It's an emergency because... I don't know what number I am, and you, I f- you know what number like you are? your sleep number? No, I've <laughs> maybe. I feel like you guys may be able to help me out. This is the place where you know your big questions get real answers. What sure, happens when sure. I have a big question? Can I bring it to the say that guys? But just this once. I don't think I'm really qualified as a super fan because I've never listened to the show. But I wouldn't recommend it. But I, I, I have a lot of spiritual stress because I don't know what number I am on the Enneagram. I don't know what that is, Lee. Is that like the thing that measures your heart rate? Because in that case, it'd be very important to know your number. Well, see, No, that's, that's an electrocardiogram I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's the electrocardiogram. Is this like that? I don't know. I, I do know that when uh, our, our daughter Nora was in, uh, was in the hospital and they had the little thing that goes over the finger that measures the, uh, the pulse ox... And and I feel like if if you could just have the little indicator go over the finger and then you and then you would know like this is your enneagram number then I feel like all my spiritual problems would be solved. But I, I'm I'm under a, a lot of stress. I just don't know what I am. I am am I Jed? Am I a four? Am I a six that leans seven? Am am I a two? I just don't know. We got to get to the bottom of this, bro. We can't leave you hanging. We need to know what your number is. This sounds like blackjack to me. Yeah, a little which bit. makes me all the more interested in it. like something about a six leaning seven sounds like splitting eights. Yeah, I like it. And I, I'm uh, like a thousand percent more interested. Yeah. Understand that I don't even know if that's correct terminology. The only thing I know is I like it. Everywhere I turn now, everybody's trying to figure out where they are on the enneagram, and I'm a little stressed. Okay. Okay. okay, so I, I go to... Um, I do know never split nines. I know that. Yeah, that's true. That's in the you Bible. Know, you know, hit you on have 17. 11. I suggest you hit, sir. Yeah, I'll yeah. stay. <laughs> 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 you, you know, it was a really good movie 23 years ago when it came yeah. out. Was that Austin Powers? It, it, it's a winner. <laughs> Finger on the pulse as we discuss the Enneagram here on the Say That Podcast. Um, so I, I have a, an exclusive uh, website, which I am a member to. Like a, it's kind of an academics thing, like a, you know, uh, you know, a lot of articles and stuff called the Wikipedia, Ooh, which I wow. am going to consult right now. Don't even try Googling it from your machines. I bet you can't even find it. Uh, it, according to it, the Enneagram or per, of personality, or simply the Enneagram from the Greek Ennea, meaning nine, and Gramma, meaning something written or drawn, is a model of the human psyche which is principally understood and taught as a typology of nine interconnected personality types. Okay. 
I don't feel that those words brought me any closer to understanding what this is. Nope. But as I understand it, it's like a personality. It's like a Myers-Briggs thing okay. that Christians really like. Am I getting close here, Lee? Yeah, I think it's something like that. And uh, I, feel like, uh, I feel like I've come upon certain groups of, uh, of Christians, and they're like in a pocket of, of people, and with hushed voices, they're all kind of figuring out what number they are. Okay. And, and this causes me problems because, Jed, what if I can't be pinned down to a number? Sure. Well, he, I think here's the thing that we have to look at. What if you're an irrational number? If wow. you were, if you were pi, you just keep going forever. Wow. Sure, you can tell people I'm a three point one four, but what about the one five nine that comes after that, brother? What are, what about what are, you know? All right, you went to college. We all there's a lot it. of depth here. Wow. You you can't be contained. <laughs> I'm not that simple. I'm not that irrational number jokes, Jed. Yeah. Exactly. This is why. What if what if you were a complex number, bro? And you've got that imaginary component. I've often found Lee to be a very complex number. I, f- I couldn't agree more. What if you were E raised to the J Omega power, and now we got Euler's identity up in this, and I don't even know what's going on, Lee. What, what People I, trying to control you, bro. What if I'm not even an integer at all? You just blew this whole thing wide open, Lee Younger. Look, we've said a lot of things in this podcast that yeah. normal people would find offensive. I think the first time I've been offended by anything we said is when Lee said integer on our podcast. <laughs> For some reason. I don't know why, but that I'm not that guy. Hypotenuse. Very good. I will say that uh, this is slightly off topic. <laughs> That's good. But, uh, That's good. I, I, as, as you could probably guess from the things I say on the show, I was not a math guy. Never have been. Just doesn't just doesn't work for me. I don't I don't understand it. I think when I officially checked out, um, sometime like pre calculus in high school, when we brought up the concept of imaginary numbers, yeah, yeah. and I just uh, probably myself, I'm never going to understand what you people mean when you're talking about these things. Sure, but according to the enneagram, I, I go back to the Wikipedia page. Um, you, the good news is, Lee, is you're only one of nine things. That's all you can be. That's all you'll ever be. So. Wow. Let's go looking through this. Is that's that true, a, it's true for that, all of us. You look for where you are in the pentagram. Is that what that? Yeah, is? you got it. Sure, you got <laughs> okay. it. The, uh, Glenn noticed that the the visual representation of the enneagram nine points is, you know, not yeah, not a. Satan. It's, a it's a little witchcrafty. There's a goat head in the center. <laughs> right, and there's sure. little runes and whatnot. It's a whole thing. Wow, like the candle metal that I thought. So wait, is that are they figuring this out with like chicken feet and stuff? Yeah, almost certainly. Let's uh, let's 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 go through a few of these. Um, so we've got nine characteristic roles. Yes. So a one is a reformer. Yes. Two is a helper. I think we're all out on that one. Three is an achiever. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Four is an individualist. Okay. Which is normally a nice way of saying jerk. Okay. So I think that's in the running. <laughs> right. And I'm only talking about myself here. Five is an investigator. Mm. I hope that one comes with a hat. Sure. Six is a loyalist. Okay. So, uh, I, they're not saying loyal to whom. Yeah, I was gonna now, say, is, studied, that like a, is that like in the the Revolutionary War? Yeah, I'm like loyal the English to the game, Civil War. Y'all. Okay, seven is an enthusiast. That's certainly not any of us in Chicago. Right. Eight is a challenger. We're getting closer right there. Right. Nine is a peacemaker, and I think we're all uh, based on long running uh, rap beefs with various uh, megachurch personalities. We're probably. Not, Not good that. on that one. He just grows peas. That's well, all he does. Exactly. Absolutely. Well played, sir. Look, here's my bottom line. Those categories suck. I don't like them. I'm going to make up my own categories. <laughs> sure. Excellent. Here's what I'm saying. That's very eight of you, Jed. Category one, <laughs> Maverick. 
Whoa. The okay. chief doesn't like my methods, but by God, I get results. Right. Category two is goose. I'm all the way on board. <laughs> Category two, goose. Wow. He's like, he's like the helper. He's your backup guy. Yeah, that's he'll, right. He'll sing he's in the bar. Man. He's very supportive, yeah. encouraging. Category? He doesn't make it into Act 3, and we're all very sad right, about it, but right. he makes a big impression. That's right. Category 3, Keanu Reeves in The Matrix. Right. Sure. He knows Kung Fu. Keanu Reeves and John Wick. Yes, both fine options. Can, can we these all be Keanu Reeves's? Keanu Reeves. Nine Keanu Reeves. We got your we Matrix. Can, we can do this. Well, we Who's John Keanu Wick? Reeves from Speed? That's all I got. Speed, gotta know. great one. Yeah, right. that's up to three. Bill and Ted, Bill and obviously, Ted, absolutely. Point Break, yes. The replacements, yes. We're up to six. What are other Keanu Reeves movies? Speed Two, yes. It's a very complex character, <laughs> yes. There's more of them. Well, that. dude, we can add in all three Matrices. We're up to nine. There you go. Matrix. Are you a Are you a Revolutions or a Reloaded? You got so think this, this is true. Is this the Keanogram? It no is doubt the Keanogram. about it. You got. Are you wow. a surfer? Are you a long foretold uh, messianic figure? Are you a 90s stereotype? Are you an assassin? Wait, uh, based on just because we're coming up that somebody has to be, what was the samurai movie you guys made your wives? Oh, yeah, Christmas? 47 Ronin. Yeah, 47 yeah. Ronin account. There you go. Seen is- on Christmas Day. <laughs> wow, that was a bad double date with you and me and our wives. <laughs> they hated us. <laughs> Badly. Yeah, but, it took a while to speed yeah, that over. Forty-seven Ronin is not forty-seven is not the number of people who live through that movie. No, and it turned out to be an interesting choice <laughs> for a Christmas <laughs> double date. Which Keanu are you? And you know what? We're going to add a tenth category. Are you the kitten Keanu from the movie Keanu, nice. directed sure, by Key and Peel? Absolutely, yeah. it's 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 adaptable. Yes. Well, I will say of all these things, I I'm certainly I'm a little relieved to be honest because. I'm I'm kind of with Lee. I, I'm aged out of whatever all this stuff is, but they, people still talk about it. And some of the other day, so I, you seem like a four to me, and I thought they meant like a physical one to ten scale, <laughs> right? Which was like you're right. not wrong, but you're not supposed to say it. That's Maybe if I got more sleep, <laughs> it's hurtful when yeah, you say those things out loud. But Mom. you know, apparently right. that means you're, you're melancholy. I can hear you. <laughs> yeah, I'm right here. <laughs> I want a TV ugly, not ugly, ugly. <laughs> I've been called ugly, pug ugly, but never ugly, ugly. Uh, TV shows 30 years ago were good, too. Yep. Um, we're having a whole run. So uh, but I'm, I'm looking more at the Enneagram thing. So you have your characteristic role. Then each each version has one of these things. Oh, Christians. Uh, a ego fixation. A okay. holy idea. Okay. A basic fear. Okay. A basic desire. Okay. Is, is one of the basic fears spider? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Corruptness, being alone, worsenness, having no identity significance. No, spider's not in there. This is a flawed system. Let me tell you what. If, you, if you're not afraid of spiders, you don't get life. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Basic fear, clowns with chainsaws. You should be afraid of you a clown You should be with afraid of that. What's wrong with you? You're crazy. Yeah. Back down to two. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's how that works. Oh, so one can, are you saying now. you can, like, in Glenn's version of the Enneagram, you can, like, level up? That's yeah, the absolutely. whole point. That's the whole idea here. Who wins at mental health? And <laughs> <laughs> app style, you can level up by getting the number of, you know, tokens or whatever, or you can just buy the 30 sure. pack of them for Absolutely. A, it's an in app purchase. An in app purchase, no doubt. An in Enneagram purchase. So we've got temptations, vices, and passions. Mm. Virtues. This is getting warmer. Yeah. Let, 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 here's the thing. Um, 
So I'm, I'm going to read through the vices and passions. Please do. A type oh. one, the vice is anger. Mm. Type two is pride. Type three, deceit. Type four, envy. Type five, avarice. Mm. Six, fear. Seven, gluttony. Eight, lust. And lust in, then has in parentheses forcefulness, which somebody may not understand the concept of both of those things. <laughs> the, and nine is sloth, parentheses disengagement. That is me. I got to be honest. I'm, I'm nine for nine. Yeah. So this, this category has not helped me. Then right. the same thing, virtue, serenity, <laughs> humility, truthfulness, equanimity. Ooh, wow. That's when you like horses. Yep. Yeah, that's right. You got it. <laughs> well, it says emotional balance, but I guess it could be balance like you're riding a horse balance. That's so right. That sure, yeah. Non-attachment, mm. which is a virtue, apparently. Courage, sobriety, innocence, and action. So uh, I'm not sure what Enneagram type you are when you go 9 for 9 on the vices and 0 for 9 on the virtues, but yeah, I may have just failed this test. Pure curiosity, what's the, what's the virtue that goes with sloth? Virtue that goes with sloth is action. Yeah, that's not me. That's yeah, not I think me. we. I think well, we, does, does it count if you like action movies? Well, I do. I like Keanu movies. I am slothful, and I like Keanu movies. We, if they mean that, we may be on. Okay, well, let's go, let's go through the rest of nine and see if we can get. So nine is a peacemaker. I'm really not that. Well, but the uh, so but we get so the ego fixation is indolence. <laughs> wow, <laughs> which they describe as in parentheses daydreaming. You could have just said that. Sure, yeah. I feel like we're close on that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the holy idea, whatever that means, is love. Meh. Does it have the word? Does it have comma man after it? It does. Uh, the basic fear of a type nine is loss, fragmentation, separation. I've often said fragmentation is my big fear. Yeah, you don't eat fragmented. Right, right, I'm right, on record, right. man. That's yeah, terrible. Right. The basic desire is wholeness and peace of mind. No nope. like, pie. Like, like when you have a well, but a, pie would give you peace. Mm, I'm okay with it, whether it gives me peace or not. It's the pie okay. really that I'm right. interested in. See, the temptation is avoiding conflict slash avoiding self-assertion. No. No. Um, no, that's not it. Let's see. What are some good ones? Temptation, Cheetos. Now you've got me. <laughs> right. Sure. Those are tempting. Well, I think the thing that we're learning here is it's important to label people. Absolutely. Yeah. Huh. And also, let's go through these temptations because the person who wrote this has never been tempted. Okay, hit me. Temptation, type one, hypocrisy, comma, hypercriticism. Um, okay. You're not tempted to do hypocrisy. That's just something we all do. Welcome yeah. to being a Christian. Um, temptation two: deny own needs, comma manipulation. Okay, those are fundamentally opposite things, right? Uh, type three: pushing self to always be quote unquote the best. No, I'm pretty. I'm pretty comfortable with being not good at things. Four. How is how is this is these tem- are kind of minor league uh, temptations. <laughs> these are a minor league and a bit airy fairy. This is the temptation for a type four to overuse imagination in search of self. Wait, what? I don't know. Everybody out of the pool. For I've five, often said that boy's too imaginative. <laughs> replacing direct experience with concepts. Okay. That sounds what like are you doing in there? I'm just imagining, Mom. I'm conceptualizing. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> what are we doing here? None of these are temptations. Pulling, o- ramming the person who cut you off in traffic is a temptation. That's a temptation. Yeah. Eating the entire pie by yourself before everyone else gets there <laughs> is an opportunity. <laughs> it's it's a temptatunity. <laughs> if it's if pie shaming is in there, then that's yeah. That's None real. of these have. A, okay, so we've got the Keanu Graham. I think 
and this is, I'm not actually not making this. I think we could sell to Christians. What type of pie is your personality? Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're like, you're like a, a rhubarb. Yeah. A, total rhubarb. With a touch of pecan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think you're a meringue leaning chocolate. <laughs> How dare you, sir? I'm French silk all the way. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the main thing is let's not go with actual psychology no, Let's make invent, her bone version. Invent a Christian version that is not psychology and yeah. reductive. Well, that's right. profitable. That's. Yeah. I'm point break leaning John Wick. I think that's where we're going to end it. <laughs> okay, that makes sense to me. I, I don't think we're going to top that. No, definitely. That's for the win. And, and on that basis, I'll have to declare emergency off. Thanks for playing. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I, I, I think the Keanu Graham may go down as our greatest. Creation. That's our that's our contribution to mankind, right yeah, there. Yeah, no doubt. That's it's going to be on all of our in all of our obituaries. Um, yeah. So uh, look, if you like the ideogram, that's great. Right. We, uh, we don't. We clearly don't understand it. Yes. Don't don't be offended by our jokes. We didn't take any time to try to understand it. That's right. Before we started making fun of it. I was I was reading the Wikipedia page as we were opening the show. <laughs> yeah, there's no, no doubt no about idea that. what it is. Uh, yep, just uh, funny sounding words that we don't entirely agree. Well, with. I know equanimity is definitely just uh, just loves horses. Sure, you just want to be balanced on your horse. That's there's nothing wrong with that desire. Yeah, it's like a dressage. Yep, sure, exactly. In uh, other things, yeah, yeah no, and it is like other things. Horse, you're a real wordsmith, there, Glenn. <laughs> This thing like, is like other things. Like, uh, you know, nature versus horse. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's one of the great the great dramatic structures is nature versus horse. Um, uh, one thing we, we do try to understand before we start talking about it, believe it or not, is our bridge box topics. That's true. And uh, which leading, we're here in the month of July when this episode comes out, we'll be talking about, as we discussed uh, briefly on the show last week, uh, how do I obey an imperfect authority, which is... A very important thing. So instead of just going to the Wikipedia article for authority and cracking jokes in real time, we actually did some we did some research, we did some we did some prayer, we we came up with the sermons and the Bible study and the songs. So lots of good stuff on that. And it's the number one way that folks who like the show and like the blogs and like our online stuff can support our ministry in a very real way. It allows us to hire part time employees to do stuff like help people with housing, help people get jobs. Um, greet people at our service and get them plugged into churches. So a lot of great stuff that uh, folks do, and we are only able to hire them because of the support from our Bridgebox subscribers, for which we are super thankful for. If you want to check it out, missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. Now, in a way we didn't even think about, but has actually turned out, um, our our show to- our show topic today is going to tie into the Enneagram thing. Ooh, wow! Accidental synergy. So we actually are uh, talk about these, you know, the Myers Briggs and the uh, Enneagram. We, we poke fun, but one of the things that we uh, we understand is people are drawn to that because there is this idea to want that categorization, want to understand your own behavior, want to okay, this it makes sense. I do this because of that, and how that ties together. And that's that's all really in a in a big way about identity. Yep. So we had a, a question come into the blog, which I answered the blog, but I felt it was I didn't want to just constrict that to one podcast segment because I felt it really opened up um, a lot of areas of discussion that would be good for us to get into. And also submissions are a bit light in the summer, so if you feel like there you want to jump in there on a short line. You can head on over to the addresses and we'll that's your moment. get you right in there. As soon as I say that, we're going to get a bunch of them and people are going to have to wait two months, but that's okay. Um, but this person wrote in and said, Hello, I was raised in a traditional church, but over the past four years, I'd say I've become more of an evangelical Christian, both capitalized, which 
Kind of makes sense. And now I'm in the dark about my identity in Christ. What's your take on the difference between traditional and evangelical Christianity? Now, uh, it's it's a fun question in a lot of ways. It's not a question we can necessarily answer on the face of it, because evangelical Christianity has become essentially a term without a meaning. Yeah. Um, particularly in the United States, this the people who do uh, demographic surveys, the people who do polling, the people who we talk to, people in denominational leadership, nobody knows what that means. Right. Um, and in different, and it, it varies from country to country. There are, uh, you know, in the, in the UK, there are denominations that be considered evangelical, which in the US would be considered very traditionally denominational. And so it's a whole thing. But I like this idea of I have evolved in some and changed in some cultural things and some practical things. So I'd wonder what that means about my identity in Christ. So we're going to start out there and we're going to kind of discuss identity in Christ versus these labels and these kind of other things that are uh, a, a kind of a surface level above that. Because I think it's very important. But Lee, let me just start us off, and let's start off with this question. What does identity in Christ actually mean, and where should Christians go for that? Yeah, I think one of the things that um, about this is that there are some things for that are true of every single Christian— and then there are some things that are true about your identity in Christ as an individual person. And both of those things are important. And both of those things are important for you to learn about yourself and to know about yourself because how you define yourself is going to determine so much about the way that you feel about your life. So if you define yourself, for instance, some people define themselves by their career, right? So if they define themselves by their career and then they get laid off from a job, well, that has the the possibility of being completely devastating because now I don't know who I am. I've always been this person that has this job, this role in this community, and now that is gone from out, out from under me, and now I don't know who I am. If you define yourself by a, you know, by a certain characteristic or by a certain thing, and that thing is – it's possible to take that thing away from you then then you're going to have a lot of anxiety or you're going to feel like a failure or whatever that's that could be just absolutely crushing there are certain things that are true of you if you're a believer in Jesus that are true of everybody and they're true of you the whole time no matter if you lose a job no matter if you uh, leave a community, no matter if you change roles, if you make a giant mistake in your life, these things always remain true of you. And that's the kind of stuff that we have to get from the Lord, from the scriptures, from um, from just straight from the words of Jesus about how he feels about us, that we are God's kids, that he has adopted us into his family, that we're forgiven in Christ, that we have a home in heaven, that we are part of the kingdom of God, those kinds of things. I love, um, I, I love thinking about this question, this, you know, how do you define yourself um, when you look at a guy like the Apostle Paul? Because he was a guy that defined himself uh, in a certain way his entire life, and then he met Jesus, and the whole thing mm. changed. And by the time you meet him again, after he's walked with the Lord and started churches and done a bunch of discipling and training and all kinds of ministry and stuff, he winds up saying to the the believers in in his first letter to the Corinthians, he said, I don't care if anyone judges me and I don't judge myself. He said, that doesn't make me innocent, but God defines who I am period, the end, and I don't let anybody else have a say on that. Now, that's a brother who knows who he is in Jesus, because that, mm-hmm. because of that, 
what you think about him, what you think about me is not going to take me off my square. And if you seem to be more successful in a thing, or if you seem to be more, you know, other people are envious of you and stuff like that, I don't have to wrestle and struggle with in, with envy, with jealousy, with insecurity in the same way that other people do, because I know who I am. And that's not based on stuff that can be taken away or that I can lose at a whim. It's based on rock solid stuff of what, of what God says. And that's the kind of thing that we want. We want our identity in Christ to be solid so that we could say with Paul, I don't care who judges me. I don't judge myself. It doesn't make me innocent, but I also don't have to be jealous of you and I don't have to be insecure. And that's where we want to start building this stuff. Man. Yeah, that's absolutely right. That is really good stuff. And Glenn, we get more into kind of where things like culture and denomination and theology play into this, but I think it'd be good to start off by uh, identifying, uh, by, pardon me, separating an identity in Christ versus an identity as a Christian. Right. Those are kind of different things. So what, as we look at an identity in Christ that we'll have, you know, I like this type of worship music and I like this yeah. type of preaching, but how is that different from what Lee's talking about of a baseline identity? Well, I think, I think it does make sense for the health of your walk to have a sense of what sort of a doctrine and ideology that you want to follow and to find a church that matches that. That's fine. That's good. But to take an identity in that really... That really gets unhealthy pretty quick. In other words, uh, I think, you know, trying to say, I've gone from this label to that label, and is that a big change, is not entirely a, a healthy way of looking at that. Here's part of the reason why I say that. Uh, part of what we try to do with this podcast is pull away the curtain and let people see what churches are really like and church leadership is really like, kind of behind the scenes. I work with pastors all the time. And I, I, part of my, the way that I am with them is I'm usually kind of cajoling them and teasing them and, you know, whatever, just trying to kind of get a rise out of them and as a way of just letting them know, I know what you guys are on and, you know. And entertaining yourself. That's sure. right. Uh, but I'll, uh, probably 80% of the time I'll say, well, you know, you Baptists, you know how you are. About 80% of the time they'll say, yeah, but I'm not that Baptist. Yep. I'm talking about pastors now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Not that I, committed to it. Yeah. I, you know, if it's Presbyterians, I'll say something about predestination. They'll say, yeah, no, I don't. It's I don't, not what you think it is. Yeah. It's not what you think it is. I, I don't really care. I don't really talk about it. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> you get people in the pews just wringing their hands like, what? Is this the right? Can I? It's just, it's, it's so important that I get this, exa-, you know. And so I think uh, those labels feel like uh, uh, a, different teams that you're joining yeah. or something and and that as as lee was bringing out that you can be a real shock to, to be changing so many important things in your life and feeling like i'm letting the team down is just an added pressure you don't need here's the real point behind all this every single human being that has a relationship with with god has a unique relationship with god mm. yep. no two people have the same uh relationship so that means i can say i'm a baptist this guy can say, I'm a Presbyterian, but we're already different before mm-hmm. it comes down mm-hmm. to that. Everybody's different because I'm different from this other, this other person. Everyone has a unique relationship with God. Uh, now, there can be a ton of overlap, particularly in the doctrinal type areas like we're talking about here, and all that's fine. 
but I think it's important for us to get a hold of that individuality because it means if I'm choosing to be in a Baptist church or a Presbyterian church or a Lutheran church, whatever it is, I'm and whatever label I'm giving myself, I'm acknowledging that that label mostly describes me, but it doesn't totally describe me, and it doesn't define me to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and nor should it. I should be a little bit different from other people because I have a different relationship with God. Church folk don't, especially church leadership, is sometimes really bad at telling you that because they really want you to have a sense of the doctrine that's being teached uh, to the people in that church, and they they want you to get under that teaching and uh, don't deviate from it. Uh, but it's and and that's fine. But it's it's about recognizing when it gets down to the nitty gritty, everybody's different. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And Jed, maybe if you can speak to, I wonder if one of the reasons it gets to exactly what Glenn's talking about here. But maybe it's one of the reasons people don't think of identity in the way we're describing it here is um, so much of um, identifying yourself, whether it be a, a personality type or you know fandom of this, that, or the other is identifying oneself against other things. Okay. You know, nerds are not jocks and, you know, DC is not Marvel and, um, particularly in, you know, a, a kind of social media comment section culture, there's, you can kind of be defined by the things you are against. Sure. But in this, we're talking about something that is super, not that and in, in a weird way, it doesn't, it doesn't rely on your feelings about it at all. At all. Sure. Your identity as a Christian actually comes from something outside of you yep. that is saying something about you rather than you saying something about stuff. So how, yep. do, how do we, what lens do we view that through? That's a sharp insight. I think uh, you're right. And we want to be clear that while this stuff can get complicated, where it begins is so simple that a child could receive it mm-hmm. um, by, by design. Uh, as uh, a great song by my extremely talented friend Lee Younger puts it, I am God's child, forgiven and free. I am precious to Jesus, my King. That's your identity in Christ. Uh-huh. That's, that's who you are. Uh, God paid the penalty for your sins and adopted you and made you his child. That, that's what it means to be a Christian. That's, that is your identity. And, and Matt, as, as you put it, that's something that's kind of happened to you. That's um, is not something where you decide I'm against one thing and for another thing. You've you have been acted on. You have been mm-hmm. you've been grafted onto the vine, as as the Bible puts it. And it means a couple things. One, it means you can relax because uh, yeah. uh, you you don't get unadopted. Uh, you're not you're not going to lose it. Uh, if you if you if you want to be saved, you are. If you've accepted the Lord, uh, you're God's child. That's it. Done so. But it also can give you, and this is very important, a compass. As you navigate so much of this more complicated stuff of politics, of denomination, personality exams, anything that violates the words that I just told you a minute ago from Lee's song is wrong, is false. The words again, I am God's child, forgiven and free. I am precious to Jesus, my king. Anything, any political thing, any denominational thing, any personality test that tells you something contrary to those very simple, very biblical ideas is wrong. Mm-hmm. Period. The end. We may not know how it's wrong. That's okay. We may have to figure some things out, but we can know those truths about you are inviolable. They never change. They never get messed up. God has loved you and adopted you and made you his own. Period. The end. Yeah, it's really fantastic stuff. And as we. Kind of look at that thing. I wonder if part of what is not makes people a little 
confused or uncomfortable. Or maybe they just don't think about this as much as, as Jed's pointing out there. This is not a reactive thing. There's no real way to be aggressive or chest thumpy about your identity in Christ. So some other stuff, be that denominational, political, um, uh, cultural, can bubble up. And those are more things things that are easier to slot into the way you would identify as whatever it is, a Southerner or a rock fan or whatever it is. You, yeah. Those things are much more easy to kind of slide into there and be parallels for that. So then we do have other things that are not your identity in Christ. They're not scriptural. They're not um, a fundamental basis, but they are kind of part of your identity. And I'd love to get you to kind of walk us through what role these things have in a healthy way, and then we can also talk about when it depends on that. But as you're pointing out, when someone says, you know, well, tell me about your, tell me about you, mm-hmm. you may not open up with, well, I, uh, Romans, here's what Romans 5 says about me <laughs> right. as, you know, a child of God. Cause that'd be super weird. Um, but you may tell someone, well, you know, I go to, I go to this denomination's church and I, I like, well, what do you do over there? Well, I, I like the, uh, the contemporary service and I help out with the kids and I mm-hmm. volunteer here and that may, indicate some things about my politics and I listen to this type of music and all that. And none of that is inherently bad, but it's what we find in that that can become unhealthy. But what does a healthy identity of Christian stuff look like? Well, I think it's one of those things where I can give the right answer, but uh, Christians uh, sometimes have a way of taking something that should be convicting and say, oh yeah, no, I'm good on that. So this is one of those. So here's here's the the actual answer. The answer is, all of that is healthy and good and fine and lovely if if your relationship with God informs the cultural things you involve yourself in, the political things you involve yourself in, uh, the denomination where you go, and all of that. Uh, and most people would hear that and say, "That's great," because the way I vote is definitely based on my faith in Jesus. But is it? Does that have anything to do with the 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 homeless immigrant with the uh, socialism in the Bible? Yeah, no. It's uh, it's like that, the the rich people sold their property and put right. it all in a pile and never needed it, took it out. Right. Like, yeah. Because that's in the Bible. That's in the Bible. That's the thing is, there's lots in the Bible um, that doesn't fit anywhere near into either uh, of the political parties we have in this country. Uh, and there are uh, there is a, a lot of uh, uh, of basically listening to what other Christians in your church say, mm-hmm. and yeah. defining that as Christianity. If I let my beliefs inform my politics, my the things I you know culturally involve myself in the church I go to, then that's great. But uh, if I am following, this is the key point. If I am following. The, the voices and following the direction of that culture and that denomination and those politics, and I'm letting that inform my Christianity, here's what you're going to have. A terrible Christian. That's the problem. Yep. Yeah. Now you say, well, what if the politics were really holy, and what if the culture was really holy, and what if the denomination or the church or whatever the setup was really holy? Then you could basically be a good Christian by accident. That's the that's the plan most people are on, is I'm just going to go to the place where all those things happen, I'll mix in with them, eventually we'll be standing in line at the pearly gates, I'll just go in with all those people, and it'll all work out. Uh, here's the thing, 
I, I need to challenge what I hear in, in church. I take that mm. to the Lord and say, is this true? And the thing is, a good pastor, a good preacher would want me to do that, because if I take it to the Lord and the Lord says, yes, that's true, I'm going to be a lot more solid in, in my yep. conviction on that thing that I've heard. If the Lord says, no, that's not true, well, then I need to separate myself from some of these voices. This is a problem that people have uh, that they struggle with in their faith. No doubt. Is they take the culture as being a holy thing. Sure. Uh, and they receive that and uh, steep themselves in it. They, 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 they boil in it, and they stew in it, and they let that resonate within them, and they feel like that's what a good Christian mm-hmm. is. That's actually what a terrible Christian is. That's what a Pharisee is. That's what a Sadducee is. That's being steeped in the religion and being steeped in the traditions and being steeped in a, a, a legalistic understanding of what the Scripture is saying makes you a terrible, 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 terrible Christian. A Christian is somebody who is following God himself, and this is a personal relationship with him. And when that relationship strikes a dissonant chord with this political voice or this cultural activity or whatever, it may convict me in a way that's only supposed to convict me, yeah. but I have to walk away from that thing because I, that just makes me feel funny, dude. And that's based on what I read in Scripture and what God tells me in prayer. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a very important point. Jeff, I'd love to get you to pick up there with this idea of inherently, fundamentally, and we talk about this a fair amount on the show, um, Christianity is called to cut against the grain. Yeah. Um, you know, there's uh, nobody being righteous in and of themselves, and there's, you know, sell all you have and give it to the poor, and there's a whole lot of um, messages that just society, and we talk about kind of modern Western society, but even the... Uh, ancient Eastern society of the time are really super not on board with. Yep. But can we talk about the the theory and the failing of the theory that Glenn has given us here of that a lot? I think a lot of people get in trouble with this. Of well, what if we just rejiggered everything so that the culture was Christian mm. and my politics were Christian? So I would know that if I vote this way or go to this store, everything there is copacetic, and I don't have to do this weird rebellion thing, which I may not be programmed to do. What is the what's the value of kind of bucking up against almost every, as Glenn's describing everything you hear, and what does that look like? Because I wonder if some people are worried that I just don't want to be a jerk. Sure. So what's the difference between you know lovingly, gently saying this is not the thing, and just kind of being a rabble rouser? That's a great question. I think that here's the missing ingredient uh, for a person who, who is a rabble rouser and a jerk. And the missing ingredient is love. Uh, when you develop a relationship with the Lord, where you are receiving his love for you, you are, you're choosing to, to begin to believe the things that he says about you to yeah. let, let go of the untrue things that, that you have believed about yourself. And you, accept that love into the deep places in yourself, it changes you. And that love overflows um, into the lives of other people. You, you, you will find yourself in a, in a way kind of uh, ministering to people without meaning to. It just it kind of spills out of you. That's, that's how love actually works, is love overflows. So that's, and that's how it's supposed to work. When you are doing that, um, 
someone uh, could come to you and they could say, uh, we as a culture, we as a political party, we as a denomination have decided that we will now do X, Y, Z. And um, you hearing this, you say, well, that, you know, that strikes me as an unloving thing. So uh, I'm probably not going to do that. Um, I'm going to go do something else. If you're, if you're coming from that place of love, I think that you, even if you were new to it, I think that your, your kind of organic natural reaction would, would point you towards, I am, I am engaged in the process of loving people. I'm, I'm currently doing that. You are trying to get me to do something that isn't that. So I'm going to sidestep that and I'm going to keep on loving people. That's, that's going to be the thing that, that I do. Um, and again, you might, uh, particularly if you're new to it, you might execute that somewhat imperfectly, uh, somewhat uh, awkwardly and, and whatnot. That's, that's fine. Where, by contrast, if this isn't a thing that's driven by love, if it's, if it's more of a Christian version of um, actually, um, then the funny thing is we weren't benefiting anybody before because we have to be driven by love to ultimately benefit anybody. Now we have this new idea. We're not going to really benefit anybody on the other side of it. Um, so uh, we're going to have a big, hairy, unpleasant debate. But the key thing is no one has been benefited. No one has been helped the entire time. Huh. Th- that's that's the, the, the key thing. So, Matt, to go back to your original question, which is how do you know the difference between kind of cutting against the grain in a good way and um, you know, just you know fighting for the sake of fighting, debating for the sake of debate? Again, I think it comes back to love. If you live a life that's motivated by love, you will find yourself cutting against the grain. Um, the, the grain will find you, um, and, and you will you will cut against it. Um, if you're not living a life that's motivated by love, here's what you'll find is you live a life motivated by drama. That's that's actually what, what you will find. You will look for things to make your boring life significant, most of which will be unnecessary conflict with other people. Um, the, the, the easy way to avoid all of that is to focus on receiving God's love for you and letting that overflow into love for other people. Yeah, that's a very good word. That's fantastic stuff. And Leah, let me get you close us out on this particular point of all these things, your denomination, if you have certain political views, if you have a certain cultural flavor you like, that's that can all be fine. And this goes back to what Glenn was saying. If it informs, if those are informed by your faith as opposed to the other way around. So how do we know when we've crossed that line and what do we do? What do we have to summon up the courage to do if we kind of hit these moments we're talking about where uh, things are calling us one way and we know we're supposed to go the other? That's a really cool question. I I think one of the, the interesting, one of the interesting qualifiers that we've got to figure out is, is this, you know, this, this piece of this thing that I, that I care about for some reason, do I care about this because it is a, it's part of my core definition of who I am or because it's an interest that I have and it drives, you know, some layer of my priorities. Everybody gets to have, uh, you know, different interests, passions, hobbies, and differing priorities and different things that we give, you know, time to, energy to, money to, and that kind of stuff. But when we look at something that we care about, and if if we use that to answer certain core questions like, um, does this, if I have this thing, does that make me feel like I'm good enough? Or 
uh, does this thing allow me to prove myself to somebody? Or does this thing give me a sense that I'm worthy of belonging? I think the place that people get into trouble is when they, when they do exactly what you're talking about, which is they take some of these individual things, whether it's cultural or political or denominational and stuff like that, and they use that as a foundation of this is how I prove who I am. Um, if I'm proving who I am by some kind of political motivation or some kind of denominational whatever, um, that's going to be a hot mess and fast because it's going to cause me to feel pride, which is going to make me judgmental towards other people. It's going to make me envious of other people, that kind of thing. If I'm looking at some of these different things as um, what do I need to do to be enough to be good enough or whatever, to feel good about myself, it's going to do all the same stuff. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cause me to feel all that anxiety and insecurity. I'm not going to have any peace. But if I, if I can answer those core things in, who, in my relationship with the Lord, then if I care about you know, uh, you know, homeless ministry and Glenn cares about uh, and Glenn cares about, you know, prison ministry. Well, neither one of us are wrong. Um, and, and both of us are advancing a different agenda in the kingdom of God that Jesus cares about both of those things. Um, but, and, and we're actually teammates. We're actually different parts of the same body. But I'm not using those things to define who I am. I'm, I, I'm, I've defined who I am in, in the Lord, but it, it gets hinky when all of this political stuff or the de- denominational stuff or whatever starts to try to answer those core questions. Um, what, you know, does this thing tell me whether or not I'm enough? Does this thing tell me whether or not I'm worthy of belonging? Or is this how I've proved myself? Yeah, the proving yourself, I think, is a really important and good point to bring to this, because it does get to this idea of there's, there's going to be a conflict of what we're using for identity here. We're going back to what we talked about and kind of the, the first question of this, of where you're supposed to get identity. I think a lot of the problems we're talking about people get into is when their identity comes from the other stuff, comes yeah. from, uh, you know, instead of, as Glenn is saying, I love Jesus, he loves me, so I'm going to look at what the Bible says, and then I'm going to use that to decide what kind of church I go to or who I vote for or what kind of, you know, whatever I consume, whatever I buy. And instead look at, and as you were saying, just kind of say, well, Christians do X and good Christians do it hard. So I'll just (laughs) have to go that way. Um, We're, we're all, uh, we're trying to keep this as apolitical as we can. Uh, There, there's a very important uh, uh, example of this recently where a bunch of people who identify as Christians uh, may have uh, had two choices and picked one that is super not Christian not pretending to be Christian, kind of lying about Christian stuff, only against Christian rituals, but a lot of them went that way because, well, it's, he's got the, the letter next to his name that Christians vote for. Yep. Right. And it was built up in their mind, and if you talk to people, we have, we had one-on-one conversations with kind of people, because you can probably guess some of our politics based on the fact that we work with poor people, but the idea of, well, I just couldn't bring myself to ever vote for that other party. Well, why is that? Well, because with the news channel, I, news channels I watch on the radio shows, too, they talk for years about how they're they're super evil and against Christians. Right. Well, yeah, but here, let me put their policies next to each other and the candidates next to each other, and this one's taking a lot of Christian boxes, this one isn't. Yeah, but I just couldn't. I just couldn't. Right. And you get some other thing, you just say, well, you know, the, new ch- the church has gone this way, and what, but I just couldn't. I, I go to this kind of church. Well, yeah, but if the change, well, no, 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 because that's where I, wherein I find my identity. And 
that can lead to uh, some really big problems. Whereas yeah. as Glenn is saying, your Christianity is going to get pretty watered down. If it, if you are trying to, uh, you'll hear a lot of people who are uh, certain kinds of you know, preaching church talk about, you can't put God in a box. God can do anything. Right. And I say, what could God want this type of person to be in a position, be the mayor of the city? Oh no, God would never do that. Right. God mm. likes white guys in suits, not other things. Right. Am I the one putting God in a box right. here? Because it, this it, this identity thing just comes down to a certain amount of an identity allows you to make assumptions that you can kind of go into the world with. That takes us back to where Jed was talking about. If you if your identity is I am a child of God, I am forgiven, I have a purpose and something to do, that's a way you can start. That's a foot you can start your day on yep. and be on the right the right side of that. If your assumptions are I know that I'm the good type of people and these type type of people are the bad type of people and they're trying to destroy us. Right. It's a war. Y'all. We're under they, attack, Matthew. They, they don't agenda. Walmart doesn't want there to be a Christmas. What benefit is Christmas to Walmart? Mm. Right. They'd rather it just didn't happen. Right. And I can prove it because the 16 year old checkout girl said happy holidays. And I yelled at her because I'm Christian. Yes. The most Christian. But the holy back in holy days. Yeah. You was like, that was that something? I don't. Know. Yeah, I'm almost certain like it was. I, and I know you were going for a joke of a ridiculous thing there, but yeah, no, that's real. Okay. Um, but it's, again, but then you're starting off on another set of assumptions that makes you a big fat jerk. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the Bible says not to be one of those if you can right. avoid it at all. So that's what we're getting to the heart of here. And let's let's move on to another aspect of the original question that our, that our friend wrote in. And Jed, let me just start us off on this. So we have this. What we're looking for is a foundational identity in Christ. And then we have some day-to-day things, which mm-hmm. are not, if, even if they are correctly informed by the, by the gospel, as we want them to be, and that could be uh, preferences. You know, we, 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 on previous shows, we talked about, you know, Christian media that may not be in the Christian sure. section of the thing, but still is a lot of Christian themes. So that could be politics. That could be uh, just the way you approach society. That could be culture. Um, some of those things may change. You may, you may vote for different candidates. You may go to a different kind of church. How do we process that kind of my identity has changed as a person. Mm. You know, I do different things. I have different attitudes, but my identity has as a Christian, my identity in Christ has stayed the same. Mm. How do those two things interact? That's a great question. It's also a deep question. Let's review here something kind of a spiritual for a moment, because I think it'll give us a platform to build on healthy, Normal human life is one of constant growth and development and evolution. You are meant to be, in many ways, a different person when you are six than when you are four, to be a very different person when you are 16 than when you were six, uh, to be yet different when you're 26, to be yet different when you're 36, and so on and so forth. Your aspects of your identity, son of this father and this mother, uh, brother of these people, sister of these other people, uh, that doesn't change, but the kind of person you are in the world does change. And that's meant to, um, it would be super weird if you were the same person at 44 as you were at 14. I mean, that would, that would be odd and unhealthy. Speak for yourself, Jed. Yeah. Well, 14 year old Jed is the good Jed. I think we can all agree on that. But you are meant to grow. You are meant to evolve. You, you are meant to change. That, that, again, that's normal human life. Um, it turns out a lot of people don't. A lot of people actually don't change very much. Um, and that's not good, but that's, that's a separate issue. Just as you are meant to grow and evolve and transform and change just in normal life, you're actually meant to do that as a Christian. 
Um, the New Testament is full of references to growing in your faith, to maturing in your faith, that you start out as, as a babe in Christ, you start out as an infant, you start out as a child, and then you grow into maturity. That's, that's a process, it's a good process, that's meant to happen. I think, though, here's where we get into trouble, is I think we associate that, as we so often do, with I will do less bad things, I will do less naughty things, and that's how you know I'm growing. It turns out that's actually not the right barometer right. for growth. Um, uh, it, it may be hard to believe, but, you know, go with me for a second. Um, Non-Christians can do less bad things. It, it actually does not take the salvific power of the Holy Spirit to do fewer naughty things here and there. It's, uh, you know. Uh, Oftentimes, you just go to bed earlier. It takes care of itself. Yeah, it's, it's a happy little <laughs> miracle. What takes, and this goes back to what we were talking about a moment ago, what takes the power of God is to love people and keep on loving them. That's what takes divine intervention, because that love does not originate in yourself. Paul describes, he says, I have become all things to all men with the idea that he wants to reach some of them. He's given this everything he's got, and he's willing to be whoever he needs to be to help this person in front of him come to know Jesus. The thing about that is that's actually the mentality of people who do missions. Whether that's youth ministry, foreign missions, urban missions, that idea of who do I need to be for this person in front of me, that's, that's actually kind of the core of missions. Love compels me to be Christ's ambassador to them, to be his hands and feet, to be his representative. I will be whoever I need to be in this moment in order, right. in order to, to communicate that love to this person. Well, the thing about that is if that's what's driving you, the kind of person you are is going to transform, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, the amount of change that's going to occur in your life, you, you wouldn't recognize yourself. It's all good, but it's, it's a lot. You will, you will change a whole lot. That fundamental identity of I am God's child hasn't changed at all. To the contrary, that's, that's the bedrock. But the way that you express yourself to the world is going to transform. And here's one thing I would give you to, to look at on that. One of the things that Christians get told a lot uh, in an often Jesus juke kind of way is don't be a bad witness. You know, if, if you're out and people, they hear you say a bad word, but then you want to invite them to church, you're a bad witness. Maybe. Um, here's what an actual bad witness is. When you preach a God of love and forgiveness and mercy and redemption, and then you wear a red hat with white lettering that represents the polar opposite of those principles, that's a bad witness, just mm-hmm. so you know. And the thing about growing in your faith is recognizing one of these is essential to who I am. This love of an invisible, eternal God, that's essential to who I am. This other stuff is just taste and preference. Right. Yeah. I got into it. I can unget into it. Right, right, right. Um, when I um, started walking with the Lord, uh, I wrote um, what I can only describe as sad bastard music. Mm. Um, and mm-hmm. I would have told you that's my artistic identity. That's, 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 who I, that's what I do. Right. That's my voice. Right. And I would have been deadly serious about that. Sure. Um, you can tell that's true because at all of his shows, people go, that's sad bastard. Yeah, right. that's exactly right. <laughs> I don't write music anything like that today because I love people now. 
right. um, in a way that I didn't then. I recognize people are hurting. I love them. I care about them. I, and music can be a vehicle to help them encounter the risen Christ. Therefore, I will write whatever kind of music aids that aim. Right. Um, it's not important that we have music that's aesthetically pleasing to me. It's important that we have music that hits them, that they connect with, so they can have an encounter with the Lord. My musical preferences are not important compared to that. My political preferences are not important compared to that. Uh, Paul put it best, I count it all rubbish. Mm-hmm. None of that compares to me knowing Jesus and them knowing Jesus, and I will undergo any change in order to be the right tool in God's hands to reach his people. That's really fantastic. I think that is exactly where we want to go on this. There's a lot of that of pointing to Jesus. That should be our identity, and that can uh, that can be surprisingly fluid as you walk through your life. Jesus is um, has a different role in my life currently than he did a year ago, five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting to that is an important place. And I wonder if, Lee, maybe you can look at some of the attitudes that help us get to that that are absent in the people who are just looking for kind of a fully microwaved Christian identity. Yeah, I, I love I love the way... I love the way this question comes out. Just the idea of like, okay, there's an there's there are immutable things about me that 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 will not change into eternity because I belong to Jesus. But as I grow in Jesus, my identity as a Christian changes. And one thing that I can say is, um, one way to answer this is to look at people who are past where we are. Um, people that we respect who have been doing this thing a long time. And when when I look at folks like that in my life, one thing that they all have in common is um, they are very honest, very humble, and they know who they are. Um, and the more, the longer that I'm walking with Jesus, and the more that these things that are true about me take root in my life, the more I believe how just how forgiven I am, then the more comfortable I am with the idea that I'm a gigantic mess okay. who does a lot of terrible things. Yep. Wants a lot of terrible things still. Yep. Yep. And um and is going to be doing and wanting terrible things until I'm dead and in the ground. And uh, when I can, when I can, re- like a person that really believes how forgiven they are in Jesus is totally comfortable with being a hot mess. Um, and that's a person who has the humility and honesty to help somebody else that's struggling without making them feel terrible about themselves. One of the things that we, we I think we may have mentioned this on the podcast before, but there are folks, there are biblical scholars who have given us what they think are the dates of when the Apostle Paul wrote uh, different letters to churches that he wrote. And in the, the early ones, um, he, he calls himself, you know, the, the, the least of the apostles. And then, uh, and, and then he, uh, then in a little bit later on uh, letters, he calls himself the least of all the saints, you know, and then the letter that he wrote right before he died, he calls himself the worst sinner that ever lived in the history of the world. As this brother got older, he was more and more comfortable with, you know, at first he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm the worst of all the apostles. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm the worst of all the, the Christians. At the end of his life, he's like, I'm the worst person that ever lived on the planet <laughs> Earth. Right. You know yeah. what? 
And it's in that letter that he says, and Jesus has boundless patience. Mm. And so uh, the thing that that allows me to do is it allows me to be more honest and it allows me to have a lot more empathy for people who are struggling. And by the way, that's going to that's gonna open up um, my, my ability to help other people because people are going to be comfortable talking to me. And people are going to be comfortable coming to me and asking for prayer and stuff like that. The folks who are in front of me that I really respect are folks who have calmed down. I, I've been reading um, the the letters of John Newton. The, the last, say, that episode, we had the Glenn Kaiser version of Amazing Grace, which was written by this dude, John Newton, who was a, a pastor in, in England, uh, like, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. But one of the cool things about this dude was like in his 70s, in his 80s, in his mid 80s, he was writing letters to people talking about just what a total disaster of a sinner he was <laughs> and how and how the point of his Christian life wasn't to sin less. The, po- the point was to realize how much I need Jesus and to just get closer and just snuggle up closer and closer to him. And that's how, that's how my identity as a Christian needs to be changing, as my identity in Christ becomes more comfortable to me, is I'm more humble and I'm more okay with the idea that I'm, I'm still not getting this right, and Jesus still loves me, and that's totally cool. Amen. That is a really fantastic point, and Glenn, I'd love to get you to close us out by this. I think this kind of merges the points that uh, Lee's making with what Jed is making of, on some of this is where is this coming from? Um, as Judge pointing out, if we have an identity that is based on love, we can have this kind of patience and this kind of malleability, the humility, the gentleness that Lee is talking about. But um, the Bible, well, you may have heard of it, uh, says that the book of Timothy says you can either have love or fear because mm-hmm. the one dries out the other. Right. And I wonder how much of some of these kind of uh, these identities we are talking about that we, we uh, less than approve of, you may have picked up on Gentle Listener, um, are entirely based on fear. Now, certainly there's, right. um, we don't even need to lay out how that happens in politics because you're all living it. We all know that. You know. But uh, again, Lee, with, uh, Glenn, with your contact with denominational leaders, there's a lot of kind of fear going on there in a weird oh, way. Yeah. This denomination's dying. Or they try to put, in, you're talking about the theological thing of you have to make sure everything, because it's a slippery slope right, to right. liberal theology. Dun, dun, dun! And if you, you know, if you don't, if you forget what the, if you don't have the tulip tattooed on your arm, you'll just forget. Right. And all of a sudden you'll just, you'll just wake up one day and be like, I think I'm a Unitarian now. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> right. We well, you know Glenn is a six point Calvinist, right? No doubt. Yeah. yeah. He's got the extra one. I, I found it. It's the secret know. one. Yeah. It's the secret garden of tulips that Glenn has. Um, but how, how, how much of, if we come to where we started this with, this is my identity in Christ, mm. how does that, and as someone who has that, does that, how does that make you more comfortable with these changes, these kind of rolling of, you know, I used to think this, and I, this is one thing I think people are very comfortable with. I used to think this, and I wasn't even necessarily wrong at the time, right. but I think this different thing now, and that's cool. Well, <clears throat> here's the the... I love what both of these guys said. You need to go back and hit rewind and listen to both of them uh, again. Please, please delete it and download it again because I think that counts for us. If oh, you're gonna listen good. Back. Yeah, leave do a review. Do, do all, leave do a, all review. Do a review. So here's here's the thing: is there's when the thing about identity is it's very important to me at the beginning. Yeah. I don't know who I am. I can't move off of square one unless I know who I am. That's it's all in, 
all-consuming, all-important on Square One, and it should be, and it makes sense. No one buys more merch than someone who is just into this band right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So, uh, so I I need to discover that it, these brothers are exactly right. That discovery is going to be about uh, knowing that I am loved, knowing that I am forgiven, knowing that I have a relationship with God, that I can communicate with him i can be with him that he loves me and and that that's the rock bottom solid foundation of my relationship with god uh as lee is pointing out i am a sinner not i used to be a sinner i am a sinner a lot of christians are trying to form an identity around i'm just not really a sinner i i kind of used to be but now pretty much i'm mostly not you know what i am delivered right that's right the, we we created a lot of Christian-sounding language to kind of get us away from, I have the nagging suspicion that I'm just a sinner. Everybody on this podcast knows we're a sinner. Yep. There's uh, plenty of evidence. And that's not uh, that's that's not low self-esteem. That's just kind of the facts. I mean, this You is may have picked up that we revel in it, maybe even slightly more than we should. Yeah. <laughs> and here's the thing is we know you are, so we're not yeah. looking down on ourselves. I mean, who do you think you are? You think you're not a sinner? Give me a break, you know. So uh, 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 all of those things factor into that. But uh, what Jed is saying is over time— the relationship deepens that we have with God. And yes, that transforms our perspective. It, per- it transforms the way we see God. It tra- transforms the way we see ourselves. Uh, everything moves and grows and evolves. But here's the last little piece to that. What, what, what Jed is bring, introducing there is the idea that once we reach a certain point of growth, the identity part doesn't matter as much because we're becoming more and more united with Christ himself. Hmm. So I'm losing myself in God. I'm hidden with Christ in God. I am uh, uh, I'm becoming m- more at one with God. So it's harder and harder to think of myself separately from God and say, who am I as a unique entity in and of myself? It matters less. It, of course, it matters a lot when you're starting, yeah. and that's fine. It's, there's nothing wrong with that, and it's perfectly healthy. But you get to a point of growth, you think it would be a crisis when you grow and change and evolve. Is that changing my identity? Is that messing me up? It's not, because you re- when you get to that exact point, you're saying, eh, it's just not really about me anymore. As Jed was saying, this song isn't about me and how I feel. The song is about this other person and how they feel and getting yep. them closer to that. So getting in touch with with serving God and being part of God uh, in, in his, his calling and his purpose for my life means I'm losing myself in that. My identity, no, it's, it's just saying I need to be a tool in his hand. I need to be... He, he needs to mold me and change me and, and fit me into being that, that missionary identity for that other person. So I'm losing that sense of identity altogether, and thank God, I'm not going to miss that crisis in my life. So I think, uh, 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 yes, it's important in the beginning, but as we transform and grow in that, uh, it it just doesn't matter quite as much. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about one of the interesting things about that is also at the beginning, your identity will almost necessarily come from 
exterior things because you haven't done anything. That's cool. Yep. Um, but the more you do something, and that includes just kind of living life as a Christian, you should, as we're talking about here, you should get far more of your identity from things you have experienced. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to, you know, um, you know, go to a third world prison to do ministry there or whatever, but just here's what I've been through. And here's how, you know, as, as Jed's been pointing out, this is ways God has loved and been kind to me. And I want to pay that forward. And as Leah's talking about, you know, here's what I've seen from people that I, I are who I kind of want to turn out to be. So I'm going to try to onboard some of that. And as you create your own thing there, then you're going to come into more of these moments we're talking about of butting up against the kind of microwave ready. Here's what a Christian does. Here's the, here's the, you know, here's the news channel you watch and here's the music you listen to and here's the radio station and here's the books. The more you find a, that you do more things that you have had more experiences, then it's a weird thing of, it's almost like you lose your life, but you also find it, which is going to be the title of my book that I I don't much care for that. Yeah. Where Glenn's talking about your identity kind of becomes less important to you. It's, and something you spend less time thinking about, but it becomes in a weird way, a lot more defined. Right. Like I, I definitely um, care way less about anything about what do I think about X, Y, Z. We talk about often in our, as we talk about often in kind of our uh, staff meetings up here, uh, I am joining Glenn and Jed on their uh, quest to have less opinions. Yes. <laughs> just in general. Uh, the four people you hear on this podcast are the only white men trying to do that, but right. <laughs> we're trying to do it enough for everyone. All right, right. Um, but some of that is, I just, when I was younger, I thought I needed to have an opinion about everything. Yeah. What, what do you think of that book? Oh, well, I think it's this, that, and the other, or this record, or that candidate, or whatever. Um, as I've started doing this job and growing more of that, I don't care. That, but that doesn't equal to me having less of an identity in Christ. Right. I think my identity has become much more solid, yeah. much more vibrant, much more pronounced. Mm-hmm. Um, but it comes from really focusing on what is important and having that kind of um, scalability we've been talking about of, you know, this thing is important. This thing that was as important four years ago, I don't think is as important now. And this thing and all of that comes from this identity that we have. And I guess that was what I, I would want to leave you with uh, if you're listening to this and kind of dealing with this stuff. And we'll, I'll go back to what our friends say, you know, what, what's the difference between uh, traditional denomination versus evangelical Christianity? It doesn't matter. Right. If you're going to, you know, the church that has, because you like the high mass and you like the way they do it and they have a soup kitchen that you can volunteer at and you think it's great, beautiful. Rock out. If That's you sweet. go a place because you think it's, you like it having jeans and you like, you know, the, they call pastor by his first name, and you know it's it's all whatever, and you work in the nursery. Great, cool. Right. And if you like the one, then you like the other. That works too. This is not we're not looking to hit an identity that is then in cruise control, and I just do that, and that is Christianing. We're looking mm-hmm. for to allow the Lord to work in you, to let Him grow you and teach you things, and eventually your identity will become as someone who is growing in the Lord and He is learning and teaching things, and that's really the best we can hope for as an identity as a Christian, after all. All right, we're gonna take out with a song. This week, if you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. This is a song Jed wrote many years ago that has uh, a lot about identity and God not changing all those things. It's a song he wrote called Always, Always, Always. Yes. We're take it with that, the Live of the Bridge version. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. It used to be a speed Keanu, but now I'm more of a Matrix Keanu with the John Wick equestrian complex. <laughs> yes. I look at the threats. I've been hanging from And Jesus, how I shudder As they come undone It feels like I'm falling And my hope is gone But you're the one who's held me up All along God, your hand 
Take me. 